Hello, everyone. This is Mark Vina with more insights and strategy. Today is Monday, April 20th, 2020. Uh, I am here in good old San Jose, California, and I can't even remember what lockdown day we're in right now, but I think it's 52 or 53, and I am tired. I want to get the heck out of my house and get into the uh, get into the public domain and actually see people, and I think there's some light at the end of the tunnel. I hope everyone's families are safe and well, and I've got a great podcast in store for everyone today. I've got a, uh, a person who I know quite well, a person who I met about, I guess, what, four or five years ago, Fari. Um, I think so. Ari, yeah. Fari Diner, the CEO and um, head of um, uh, Plume, which is probably um, one of the most exciting companies I've been associated with over the last um, few years as a, as a client of um, uh, More Insights. Uh, Fari, please introduce yourself. Uh, hi, Mark. Good to see you. Well, first of all, I hope you're safe and, uh, I am. and sound as well. Good to talk to you. Uh, good to see you. Yeah, I'm the, the founder and CEO of Plume. Uh, it's interesting times, definitely. Um, yes, yeah, you can see that. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things. And we, by way of the business that we're in, we tend to be kind of in the thick of all of this. We're seeing what's going on uh, as people are working from home and so on. So there's some uh, really interesting insights we've been able to develop. Yeah, but, so uh, I, I, I definitely want to yeah. dive. I want to dive into that. So, you know, Far, you have a very rich background from a a, a, a um, a startup pedigree standpoint. You've been involved in a number of different companies. Plume is just the latest uh, example of a company that you really have uh, put on the map. Um, it's a bit of a different company than some of the companies you've dealt with in the past. But let's talk a little bit about your background and kind of, you know, what got you intrigued about the, the, the wireless space? Let's, let's just start with that for a second. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you're right. It's a bit of a different company, but there are a lot of similarities. I come from the kind of the good old telecommunications world. Um, I've been involved in bringing broadband to the homes. I used to work on undersea networks at Pirelli. Mm -hmm. We used to design these submarine cables and networks, uh, transatlantic, trans-Pacific type of networks, networks underneath the, the, the Mediterranean Sea, et cetera. I've been involved in long distance fiber optic communications. These are, think of networks that are from uh, New York to LA uh, over fiber optic cables. Then the, the industry calls it kind of the metropolitan networks. And then there's the last mile. Uh, right. You may have heard the term, people talk about the last mile, which tends to be kind of the most difficult part of bringing broadband to the home. Long way of saying, I've spent my entire career in, in bringing broadband to people to the home. Mm -hmm. um, but then, you know, I really appreciate what happens, all the magic that has to happen on the back end, whether it's the routers and switches or transmission networks, et cetera, to bring ourselves this reliable broadband. About five years ago, um, I've come to this realization that all that magic, everything that happens falls apart at your gateway, your cable modem or, or fiber ONT. Um, because the network now doesn't end at your cable modem. Mm -hmm. The end of the network are the devices that you and I are speaking on. It's the PCs, it's the phones, it's the cameras. So the last mile problem has really become or had become the last two meters or two, three, three meter problem, if you know what I mean, inside the mm -hmm. home. And that right. network is largely Wi-Fi. It's unlicensed spectrum and it's a undeterministic medium. So it's a very difficult one to deal with versus dealing with transmission in fiber optic networks. In the fiber optic communications world, the glass fiber, the medium doesn't really change. 
the attenuation of the fiber, the dispersion that, uh, that causes uh, signal degradation doesn't really change. Whereas in, in wireless, in particularly in unlicensed spectrum, there are a lot of things, devices come and, come and go, the interference comes and goes. So it's a very much a dynamic environment. Mm-hmm. So that's the part that's different. But for me, the wireless communications inside the home is an extension of that global broadband network. But it's just as important, arguably you could say it's more important than mm-hmm. many you know, the other parts because that's the part the consumer um, interfaces with, if you know right. what I mean. Well, so you, know what's, the, I, I, you know what's interesting about that is that, um, you know, not, that background obviously, you know, set you up in such a great way to, you know, to, to uh, establish a company like Plume. You know, wireless connectivity has always been kind of a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde type of thing in that, you know, once you have wireless and you enjoy the freedom that wireless provides you with all the different devices you have in your home, it's a magnificent experience. The hide part of the of, of the dynamic is that in many cases, and of course the ISPs are generally on the front line of all this, it can be a horrible situation if for whatever reason, and we'll talk a little bit about this, is that if you can't enjoy that wireless connectivity with your devices all the time, whether it's interference with other devices, um, streaming sometimes plays havoc when multiple people are doing the same thing in the home. Uh, then you have that, you know, you, in the last probably uh, 10 years or so, online gaming has, has happened in a big way. And, you know, hardcore gamers, they get frustrated if they don't have a really good experience. And, you know, wireless is a, is a key component to that. So in many, case, in many ways, I mean, I think you kind of, and that's really what I want to kind of get into is that, you know, the, the, the capability that you guys have at Plume with your, uh, your technology is wonderful from a, an implementation standpoint. And, and I don't want to, I don't want to, um, I don't want to um, lowball that, but I do want to mention the fact that I think you were one of the first people to recognize is that the, p- the pain points that the ISPs were having, frankly, from a delivery, a delivery mechanism standpoint. So let's talk a little bit about that, if you don't mind. You bet. So on, as I mentioned, I, wireless, the Wi-Fi network uh, that is largely in our homes today mm-hmm. is an extension of their broadband infrastructure. So they have to take it seriously. When Plume started, there were other companies who recognized that, hey, Wi-Fi in our homes is not great, right? Uh, But a lot of people saw the problem in one dimension. Mm -hmm. That dimension that the consumer easily sees is coverage. In other words, people say, yeah, Wi-Fi in my office where you're sitting right now is really good. But when I go up into the attic or down into the basement, it doesn't work very well. So people saw this challenge uh, in the home in one dimension, which is in space. Mm-hmm. But in reality, for the reasons that you've also explained, Mark, the problem is a three-dimensional problem. You have to solve it in space, which means give me more coverage, more connectivity uh, in every corner of my home. You can do that by putting these mesh extenders or pods, we call them various places, make sure they talk to each other. It's not that difficult, that part of it, uh, in, in a way. Mm-hmm. But the second dimension is not you, your wireless experience or your Wi-Fi, your connectivity experience has to work in every corner of your home. Yes, but it also has to work all of the time. There's a time dimension. Because mm-hmm. wireless is um, an undeterministic medium, as we discussed, you have to respond dynamically and often predictively and preemptively to the changing environment. 
This is the reason why Plume invented this concept of adaptive Wi-Fi. We don't talk mm -hmm. about it just mesh coverage. We're adaptive. We're responding to interference. We're responding to the devices coming on and off of the network uh, in real time. And because we're a cloud-based system, we also learn patterns and behaviors and be able to set the network and prepare it for a set of load that we're anticipating. And that load is the third dimension. So your Wi-Fi has to work in every corner of the home. We all agree. It has to work all of the time. You want it to work all the time, not just some, some, you know, sometimes. It also has to work across a broad set of loads. What I mean by that is different devices have different network needs from the network. Correct, right. right. For example, mm -hmm. a, a, your Apple TV, a 4K TV session, let's say, requires, if you give that device a 20 to 25 megabits per second of sustained throughput, your experience is probably going to be pretty good. Mm -hmm. Whereas a, a this session that we're on, a video session, we're, we don't really need a lot of throughput, but we're sensitive to things like latency or packet loss. Okay, so those we have a different network. We, we have a different demand from the network in terms of packet loss, for example, whereas somebody else could be gaming upstairs. It's uh, latency might be the main determinant of that experience. So the concept of adaptive Wi-Fi is to respond to these loads and the devices and the sessions, what they need dynamically um, on the fly as we need them. So that's the reason why our approach to solving the Wi-Fi problem once and for all in the home was to really bring everything up, take this control plane up onto the cloud, mm -hmm. which is really the switchboard that we get to control via these fancy algorithms. And I think the proof is sort of in the pudding and, and I think making this a more of a software optimization and a data problem has been our approach and that has proven now to be the, the most effective way of addressing this versus just distributing a bunch of uh, extenders around the home. People think you do that and you're getting sort of a three node or four node network that's not what you really get. What oftentimes, if you don't do it right, you put four extenders, you get four one-node networks. If right. you know what I mean, that's very different um, dynamic. Well, and I think that's the interesting thing about your approach because there's a lot of you know, and I know you bristle sometimes when people say, "Oh, your, you know, Plume is a mesh routing company," because you, that is not your vision of the company. I mean, you have a, a much different version, a much more broader strategic vision of the of the company, and the fact of the matter is. You know, adaptive Wi-Fi is something that really is a 21st century implementation because unlike a lot of mesh hardware, and there's some good mesh routers out there, there's some good mesh hardware, a lot of it is kind of set it and forget it. You know, I put it together and, you know, it, it almost assumes that your usage models are, it's a one-size-fits-all type of thing. And I think you realize very quickly, it wasn't just about having that one element, you know, great, you know, hardware that could connect people's different rooms and, and extend wireless connected uh, connectivity to every nook and cranny of the home. But I think you early, recognize early, especially the fact you have a, a, a cloud implementation to, um, to facilitate all this, is that it has to be adaptive because, you know, homes don't have just one or two people in them. They have lots of different people. Those, those different family members have different usage models. You may have a father now who is working home all the time and he has an entirely different type of usage model behavioral pattern than uh, the, the kid who comes home who wants to play Worlds of Warcraft or, um, or Madden football, for that matter, online. 
And um, so the, the fact that the technology is kind of almost like a living, breathing animal, maybe an animal, wrong word, living, breathing entity that, um, you know, that adapts over time to adjust to that individual person's behavior. And the fact that you have tremendous scale, the fact that, you know, you have hundreds of thousands of users, you know, that are using uh, these devices, uh, using these devices with, uh, with a very broad range of ISPs, and we'll talk about that in a second, that gives you the intelligence and the database to kind of um, access to help you drive a better experience with users, correct? That's correct. So remember your physics days, if you studied <laughs> physics in school, or for those of us who did, right? <laughs> yes. If you take, if you, if you, the, our overall intent is to keep the experience constant, meaning mm -hmm. good all of the time, anywhere, every corner of the home, across all of your devices, all of the time. So I'm trying to keep it constant. But we also discussed that the environment is constantly changing, interference devices and so on. So if you have something that's constantly changing, but you apply a fixed solution to it, like you described, set and forget, right? Mm -hmm. Something that's varying added to something that's fixed, the end result will vary. Correct. Right? So you're going to get an experience. Your Wi-Fi will work sometimes. Sometimes it will not work because you're setting and forgetting. You have, you're trying to apply a constant solution to a varying problem, right? Mm -hmm. Bloom turned that upside down. We're saying, look, the experiences, the, 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 the network, the dynamics, is constantly changing, we apply a varying response to it. And the, the sum of the two, let's say, is something we constant, it's something that we wanna achieve as a constant, which is the experience, if you know what I mean. So mm -hmm. we dynamically respond to the changes. And that's the whole concept of adaptive Wi-Fi. And in terms of scale, you mentioned, um, it's, not, it's a lot more than hundreds of thousands of, we have about 16 million households that are mm -hmm. using our technology today. And we are learning from about 700, 750 million devices now. So we reached a quarter of a billion devices and understanding the behavior and patterns and the network demands of each one of these connected devices, whether it could be your, you know, your phone or your camera or what have you, um, it gives us a much broader, much richer data set to be able to turn around and optimize the networks for the specific needs of the devices. Mm -hmm. Now, but your let's so let's you know kind of roll the clock back because your insight was, and I'm not even sure a lot of people. Uh, they're, 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 I think they get it now. They may not have gotten it three or four years ago. Is that your approach really was take this model, call it a, a hardware model, cloud model, usage model, and let's go to the ISPs. Because the ISPs, which have been trying to deliver wireless for many, many years, that's been a big, big pain point with most ISPs. I mean, you know, they, they, you know, their core competencies has typically been on, you know, creating that, you know, getting that big pipe into your house. But once that pipe got in there, there is all kinds of issues wrapped around, um, you know, the, 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 the routers that were being utilized, the, the, the expense that um, ISPs spend on developing hardware that has to be leased back to a, to a user. Uh, to a family owner and you know that you know I think that most of them would acknowledge that's probably not they're not their core competency and I think you kind of walked in there saying hey you know we have a better way to do things that can promote a better customer experience 
allow you to pursue all different types of interesting smart home 2.0 services, which we haven't even talked about yet. We'll talk about a couple of them sure. probably in a few moments. But, um, but it, you, to me, it was kind of burden relief. If I'm not the head of an ISP and you've got some very high profile ISPs in your bonnet, um, that had to be a, a completely different take than a lot of the other, you know, router, uh, call it mesh routing companies that were kind of pursuing a few years ago. So I want to talk about the ISP component because that's a pretty big deal of who Plume is. Right. I mean, 80% of the people in the U.S. and Canada and North America get their connectivity, sort of all of their connectivity experiences from their ISP. They, right. the, the ISPs have been around a long time. Some people may not like their ISPs, but a lot of people inevitably go to them. In places like Europe, it's 90% or, mm-hmm. or higher. So we thought, look, this is their domain for the reasons I explained before, because it's the extension of their broadband. ISPs have to own that last two meter experience in order to be able to um, offer additional services and, and, and retain their customers. That's the approach we took. We could have easily said, look, my cable company doesn't really do a great job. I'm gonna go do it by, by myself. It's a massive channel. They are big established companies that are sending you a bill every month. So we took the approach of saying, look, yeah, they're not doing it. They didn't do a great job, but let's help them. Mm-hmm. So we decided to partner with uh, these internet service providers from the beginning, and we continue to do that. Uh, they are, and they're getting better at it. And I mean, hopefully we're contributing to that, but they're constantly getting better, better at it. And many of the the, the kind of the in-home Wi-Fi experiences you get now from ISPs. And I would like to say, particularly those who are powered by Plume, your experience is, is now great. And now internet service providers are saying, huh, now I have this foundational layer. Now I have a very reliable network inside the home as I did and I do outside of the home. Right. Now I can leverage that to offer all sorts of services on top, whether it's security or parental controls and, yada, yada, yada. And those are the, the kind of services that Plume is continuing to curate and we deliver them uh, from the same platform in the same cloud. But so that's they, in our they, approach. We see them as, you know, internet service providers are very strong partners. They are the channel when it comes to the residential play. And um, that's where we are. And we, you know, we think but but you know, is, is but you know, for uh, but let, let me say this: I've known you for a long time. I mean, and I appreciate you, you, your humility about it because you're saying in a very kind of um, there's a lot of humility in terms of the way you're, you've been answering this question. But the fact of the matter is, in the middle of this this horrific pandemic that we're, that the world is suffering from, and there's been this incredible swoosh, you know, of, of you know mil- tens of millions of users that are now working at home all over the world, not just the United States, but we can use the U.S. as, a, as an example. You know, I was on a call with Comcast not, a, not two weeks ago, and they were talking about the fact that even despite this incredible increase in, in work-from-home users, and there were a lot of people who really thought that the Internet infrastructure in the U.S. would collapse or at least would be under tremendous pressure. And it's because of guys like you, I like to believe, especially because wireless connectivity is such a – you know, it's, it's a, it, you know, uh, up until recently, up until you guys got involved, it was a very, very, uh, it was a pain point for um, uh, many ISPs. So let's talk a little bit about that because the good news is, you know, ISPs like Comcast, they really haven't uh, had a hiccup, frankly, in the way they're delivering their services, their, their internet access to um, uh, customers. And this has been crucial because, you know, now that you're working at home, you're doing more video conferencing, you're doing the Zoom thing that we're doing right 
uh, right now. But let's talk a bit about, you know, about um, Plume's role in that, because I really think you guys have been unsung heroes in the way that the, uh, this has all played out. We have been working literally behind the scenes, if you will. We, I don't mean, you know, humans doing things, but our machines, our algorithms. We have seen a tremendous increase in traffic, number of devices that's connected, the amount of interference that comes from your neighbors because now they're at home and they're streaming and they're doing things. The mm-hmm. amount of load or the strain in the home Wi-Fi network has exploded by mm-hmm. the entire work from home uh, movement. Perhaps not surprising. But when you look at the data, what, what sort of satisfies us is that if, if Plume was in your home through you know whoever, whichever ISP uh, you have. We've been doing a lot of things behind, as I mentioned, whether it's you know in the context of adaptive Wi-Fi. We're doing a lot more now. There are more optimizations. There are more steering events. There are more channel changes. These are done predictively, preemptively, reactively as well sometimes. So we're doing more. There's a lot more going on, but we've been able to see that the quality of experience for our customers has been equally consistent and great. Mm-hmm. We can handle multiple Zoom calls, no problem. People have said to me things like, oh, yeah, let me turn off my video because my dad and yada, yada. <laughs> I keep saying, look, if you have Plume, it doesn't matter. Matter, you right. Can have, while, while the kids are watching and screaming, doing this and that or the other, you could be in you know, far corners of your home and, and doing a Zoom session when um, you know, your wife might be doing the same thing um, for her work. So... Um, we've been doing a lot more, and this kind of goes, I think, to the power of the cloud and this practically infinite amount of compute that's available to us from the mm-hmm. cloud. We can crank it up. I don't have to worry about adding more servers, this and that, or the other, or worry about the processing power that's sitting on your uh, gateway. We do a lot of things, a lot of the algorithms, the compute cycles we burn is largely in the cloud and there it's infinite. So we can just scale. Mm -hmm. We can just hit our Amazon servers with more demand. It is not a problem. And that has in fact happened and hopefully, and you know, we think this is a validation point that taking things up onto the cloud is the right approach. And when we first started doing this about four or five years ago, many people told us, oh, that's too slow. You can't take things up onto the cloud. You need to do things locally, et cetera, et cetera. And, no, you prove them wrong. You, pro- right you, pro- you yeah. prove them wrong. Uh, you know, there, there are two topics I want to hit. Um, this has been fascinating. Two topics I want to address here, though, and, and, and uh, something that you got, you've been very, very much involved with, and that is um, something that's a bit on the esoteric side because it's, not, it's probably something that a consumer probably wouldn't completely care about, but certainly the ISPs and the other partners that you have care about it, is that you announced something uh, uh, last year, uh, something called OpenSync. And OpenSync is a very, very important piece because OpenSync is this kind of layer that sits on top. It's a cloud-based um, layer that allows, you know, from my perspective, really gives ISPs an advantage to be able to plug and play different services in a very low, um, a low effort manner. Not an entirely zero effort manner, but it makes life a lot easier for them to deliver different types of services that they can generate revenue for and offer more value to their customers. Let's talk a little bit about OpenSync and why it's so strategic for you folks. Sure. Simplest way to think about OpenSync is like a SIM card. Think about it as the SIM card that goes into the devices. That SIM card talks to the network. In this case, the network is the Plume Cloud. So 
OpenSync is a, is a device software, it's a framework that enables us to take any hardware, any access point, router, or even client devices, and connect them and be able to control and manage them from the cloud. Right. Yeah. This is very, very important. And that piece is a piece of software that we open source. So it's free. Anybody can take it, download it, improve it. There's a BSD3 license attached to it. So if you so wish, you can contribute your, your changes back to the community. You don't have to, but you can. A lot of people are doing that. The intent of OpenSync was to enable our service providers to scale. And perhaps more importantly, the intent was to enable them to decouple the set of services they're providing from the underlying hardware. Mm -hmm. In the world of kind of just voice and video services, which has been the bread and butter, you know, beyond internet access of service providers, your service and your box are one and the same. They say, in order to get this, you have to have this box. Or when they want to launch some new service, they want oftentimes they have to go upgrade the boxes, or the marketing departments don't like it when the engineers say, Yeah, but this model number gateway can handle these services, but the other one doesn't, and the network is 50 right. So when these guys in the new world where the set of services are much greater than just voice, video, and internet connectivity, the winners in this space, we believe will be the ones who can respond quickly and curate new services and deliver them and manage them and support them faster and better than their competitors. So in this context, OpenSync becomes an important element that decouples their dependency on hardware. So any hardware that is OpenSync enabled can talk to the cloud and cloud is where all the magic happens. It's the switchboard, it's right. the control plane, if you right. know what I mean. So OpenSync is on fire. At the moment, I mean, a lot of people, a lot of device manufacturers, some silicon uh, SOC uh, providers have taken OpenSync and now offering them as part of their SDKs. Device manufacturers are integrating them as, as a standard part of their offering because the service providers are looking for services. They're no longer looking for boxes that will give me voice or video. So it's beyond how many voice ports uh, you have and, and how much video you can stream to the remote set-top box. It's much more complex now with parental control, security, motion, adaptive Wi-Fi, et cetera, et cetera, energy management. There are many, many other services that uh, people want to offer inside the smart home. And OpenSync, we think, is a key enabler of that entire well, and, and let's talk about it because you, you, you mentioned it very quickly while you were um, uh, giving me your answer, is that one of the big announcements you've had over the last few months that you made back in, um, at CES, God, that seems like 100 years ago, when you, uh, you, know, you're, you have a, a very strong partnership with Cognitive Systems, who's out of Canada, and you've worked with them on delivering uh, Plume Motion, which is this really incredible, it's got tremendous potential, I want you to talk about it, in terms of the ability to sense motion in homes using the existing wireless devices people already have in their home. So let's talk about that because obviously, you know, under normal, you know, motion sensing is not new. There's been a lot of, you know, other ways of, of, of doing it. But the interesting way, you know, you working with cognitive systems is you've been able to deploy this in such a way that A, it's, you know, compatible with Plume hardware. It, um, it works with all the different wireless devices that are in people's homes and the potential for all different types of really interesting applications um, with usage models that, you know, frankly, are just not 
possible right now with today's existing hardware. It's now achievable. So let's talk a bit about, about Plume Ocean because I do think it's a big deal. We think it'll be a big deal. Uh, it is a piece of technology that I personally was not so sure of at the beginning mm -hmm. uh, that I have become to love because it works. It's uh, the technology simply using uh, Wi-Fi RF waves and signals. We can detect whether there's motion uh, in the house and in fact where in the house it is. We can distinguish mm -hmm. between pets and people. So. Um, Many people are imagining all sorts of applications and use cases around this. I think of it as a very interesting trigger to trigger certain actions. Um, it could be person detection, whether it's uh, it, it around elderly care or energy management or what have you around the house. So we launched this. Um, the technology works quite well. We want to live with it for the next, you know, we launched it back in February. I announced it in January, launched it in February. We want to live with it through kind of the next, let's say, six months or so um, and see what people think about it and really hone in on the technology. Mm -hmm. I do think this is going to be, um, we have a number of use cases in mind. Uh, there are a lot of things one can do with this. But the interesting part of it is there is no additional piece of hardware. You don't have to put these sensors or anything else. On the walls, right. Correct. Uh, your, your access points are sensors as well as the devices. So as you add more and more devices in your home, they become sensors themselves. So more devices you have, higher the resolution and, and so on. Um, so that's, a, that's an interesting piece of technology we're seeing. And we have, you know, one of our partners is, is this company, Cognitive, is a, you know, they're a technology provider. That is also a proof point of this kind of open platform approach we have. Right. Mm -hmm. So you can think of the Plume Cloud as, as the sort of the home app store in a way. And we can plug in these technologies where their core algorithms runs on their cloud and, and we're talking their cloud and our cloud talks to each other and we can we can feed the information back and forth. Um, so that's another proof point for us that we can also Plume doesn't have to be the curator of our own services. Other people can build on top of the Plume consumer experience management platform, we call right. it. Right. So uh, that's another that's another interesting element, and there are a number of other people, some of, including some of our customers, who are building their own applications on our platform. Right. Well, I, I have to say, I you know I, I you know I share your enthusiasm for. It. I think it's going to be a, um, an interesting um, application. I just think that in the kind of world we're operating in right now with COVID nineteen, the whole idea of um, you know, people are really getting um, gun shy of being trapped in their homes and not knowing what's happening with their elderly parents, their children who might be remote. And, it, you know, at, even at a baseline standpoint, the technology is interesting because it can provide alerts to people saying, hey, your parents woke up in the morning and they just walked out of their bedroom. And knowing that alert is a refreshing piece of data that you have access to before. So there's all kinds of interesting applications for this. This has really been fascinating. And I'm, I'm glad we got a chance to speak to um, you, Fari, this morning. And in fact, I just noticed, um, uh, and I think you've had it in place for, for a, bit, a bit of time right now, even if you don't have an ISP that, uh, that offers um, uh, the Plume capability, although that, that list is now getting shorter and shorter because you've got so many partnerships with most of the big ISPs, you have a, you have a, a COVID-19 special on your website, which is really great. So, you know, if you want to get access to your hardware, 
you have that available on your website, correct? You have a, a That's right. It's yeah. I mean, it's people can come. We Bloom is a subscription service. Uh, normally, you pay ninety nine dollars a year. That uh, comes with one piece of uh, superpod, um, and then you can buy as many as you'd like if you have a you know large home and all of that. So, uh, in response to the to COVID nineteen, we're giving people an opportunity uh, to get access to to the service at half the price. Effectively, there is a you know fifty dollar discount per year. That's a good, to me. It's a great. It's a great deal. It's a great deal. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people are working from home, and and this is kind of a um, you know core piece of what uh, everybody's trying to do. Well, I think it's a great it's, it's a great thing on the behalf of Plume. But um, Fari, thank you for your time. Hopefully, we'll get a chance to see each other when you leave the, the comfy confines of your um, home in. Um, I guess your part-time home now in Switzerland where you are right that's, now. That's and right, uh, and, uh, and uh, I really do appreciate your time and uh, thanks again for joining us. Um, please join us for the next podcast next week. Uh, please follow more insights and strategy on our usual social media partners, suspect partners at Facebook, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And until next time, have a great week. Thanks again, Fari. Thank you. Mark.